is what the About Us page says on this website, hegetsus.com. Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder. He didn't let pro this or anti that prohibit him from seeing value in all people. Our website comprises humble perspectives from a diverse group of people with a variety of faith journeys bound by a common desire to rediscover and share the story of Jesus's life in a new way. This is something that I have noticed is certainly popular, is the life of Jesus. People want to know, they want to know more about him, which is great. And I'm not going to mention um, a particular show because I'm not talking about that tonight. Um, But there is a particular show that focuses on the life of Jesus. Now, the issue with this show and the issue that I have with this show is that there is a lot of creative license that takes place because ultimately, other than the scriptures, and you could read, obviously, there are also other history books that talk about the life of Jesus, but there's only, we're limited in our knowledge about, you know, what Jesus was like, what he did day to day. We're, we're quite limited, okay? And so if you're going to have a movie or a TV show um, about the life of Jesus, you know right off the bat there's going to be a lot of creative license that's taken because you have to fill in the gaps. And again, not mentioning the name of this show, but a lot of people watch it. I personally do not. I, I, and if you asked me, if you were to say to me, should I watch it? I would say no, but you're also an adult. Who can make your own decisions? So I do not police people's lives. I don't have time for that. I don't pay attention to what you're watching because it's, it's your business. Um, but the reason why I have an issue with stuff like that is because to fill in the gaps about the life of Jesus, you're just kind of assuming a lot of things and you're expanding on things and you're adding things, okay? And you have to, this is a dangerous street to go down because what ends up happening is, is that you tend to lose the essence of the scripture in this effort to, you know, portray Jesus a certain way. Listen, I am not and will never believe myself to have enough knowledge to tell you exactly what Jesus was like other than what I see in the scripture. I, 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 not gonna happen. I'm not gonna add anything to the scripture. I'm not going to expand on it in order to uh, um, fill in the gaps of what we might be missing. No way. I'm not gonna ever go outside the bounds of scripture. I study the scripture. I study the original language. I study the context, which is very important. But in terms of, oh, well, you know, I think Jesus was like this or Jesus must have been like this. Mm -mm, I'm not touching that. I I have no interest in doing that. And so when I read um, the about us and talking about, you know, rediscover Jesus, I mm, or share the story of Jesus's life in a new way. Those are the two things that I pause with um, because 
what what are we rediscovering exactly? Because again, my my understanding is there is this belief that Christianity, the way that Christians are or people are, do not represent who Jesus was. Now, if you're a Christian, what does a Christian mean? It's a little Christ. That's basically what it is. That's what a Christian is. And so, and and the Bible even tells us, do as Christ did. Live as Christ lived. Okay? Now, I also want to say this, and I'm going to do this off the top and then get it out of the way because I think it, it matters. The, the picture that I showed in my broadcast advertisement was in this commercial. There was a picture of a young woman outside a, a an abortion clinic, okay? And someone was washing her feet. And off to the right side, if you see, if you looked carefully, there was a group of protesters holding up signs. Now, I'm going to tell you something that Christians in general tend to be really good at. We're really good at getting mad about evil, but we're not so good at loving people. If you stand up now, listen, I want to make, I'm, I'm going to be as simple and as clear as I possibly could be. Should we stand against evil? Yes. I'm going to be talking about that tonight. Should we be taking a stand against injustice and things that the word of God is against? Yes, we should. And we need to do that more. Um, we need to be very cut and dry about where we stand because there's way too much gray area on things that are black and white in the scripture. However, if you're standing outside an abortion clinic and you're holding up a sign that says abortion is murder. Okay. What are you doing for the young woman who is alone and doesn't know what to do and needs help and is in a terrible situation and doesn't have, and the guy took off because those are real things and they're real people. And we think, that as Christians, as long as we stand outside and hold up our sign that we've done our job, but we've missed the whole point of what we're supposed to be doing. That as much as you stand against evil, you must also be loving people. I love the fact that Pastor Steve preached about the Good Samaritan yesterday. I didn't know he was going to, and I had already planned this, and I was really happy to hear it. Because a lot of us don't want to get our hands dirty. A lot of us don't actually want to stoop down and love people and serve people. Because it tends to be easier to hold up a sign. And you might think, no, it's not easy. We get flack for that. Yeah, you get flack for that. But not always. Not necessarily. It depends, really. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Some people, some people don't do, do much of anything, and that's another story. But what I've noticed is, so now you have two sides. And this commercial pointed out the two sides beautifully. You had the protesters who do absolutely nothing to actually help this girl. And then you have the person washing her feet who also aren't doing anything to help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there, and again, I'm saying this off the top, and then I'm moving on from this. Should we be against things that are evil? Yes. If you're going to stand outside an abortion clinic, may I also recommend 
that you stand outside um, foster care homes and adoption agencies. Because if you want the babies to be born, you better have a plan for what's going to happen afterwards. Because there's a lot of very self-righteous people who hold up their signs and then they go home feeling good about themselves. Well, I went and did my daily protest at the Planned Parenthood. Okay, great. But what about, do you have any idea what's happening with adoption? Do you have any idea what happens with foster care? Is there care for these mothers, these single mothers? If we're going to love people, it's everything. It's not just saying that abortion is murder. It's saying, yep, it is. Now, let's figure out what we can do to help. Exactly. Adoption is extremely difficult. Does anybody care about that? Are you working hard to make a difference with that? Hmm. That's my challenge. I'm just going to put that out there as a challenge. I'm going to put that out there as a challenge because we, if we are loving people, if we are loving people, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people don't realize that adoption is, is extremely difficult, extremely expensive. The process is insane. So you want these babies everywhere. Okay. Well, then let's get involved because we tend to take the easy way out. To hold up a sign, get mad at everything. We're always mad at everything. Everybody's mad all the time. Everybody's angry all the time. Everybody's offended all the time. But you know there are things that you can do to make a difference. You know, I was um, I was in the States uh, last year. And I was at a, a conference. Or a week of, a week of meetings. And there was this man, he's a very, he's a, a, an old preacher. And he, you know, do you know what he does in California, in the inner city in California? He, um, he sets up foster care for, it's, it's not quite by that name, but it's for people who are over the age of 18. Because if you know anything about foster care, once you turn 18, the government will stop funding the foster parent. And, and the kids, then what? The, you, know, you know, there's nothing now for this 18-year-old. And guess what happens to them? They end up on the street. They end up in a gang. They end up on drugs. And so this, this minister, he sets up, he has homes, apartment buildings for these people who turn 18, coming out of foster care, and now they have a place to live. They set them up with jobs. It, it, it's incredible. Did you know that exists? Do you know that exists? I bet you didn't know that, but this is what a lot of people are doing that we don't even know about because all we do is hold up our signs. Oh, abortion's murder. Yeah, it is. But then what? How are we actually helping people? I'm going to say this again, and I know people don't like it. People don't like it. I'm telling you, they, they get, they get, uh, okay. We're really good at getting mad over evil. But we're really bad at loving people. Sarah, we do have, um, uh, I believe, I believe we do, we should have something like that. But again, it's like, th this is something that I have been, um, it's been on my heart a lot because for me, I'm like, okay, but what are we doing to help people? What are we doing 
to 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 help people that are that are in need. We're supposed to have the answer. We're supposed to be the ones that carry the difference. We're supposed to be the ones. But what are we doing? So everybody gets mad over everything on both sides. Everybody's mad at everything. But I don't want to get mad. Do you know what I want to do? I want to let people know that there's a better way. I want to let people know that there's a better way. Now in this ad, now I'm going to move on from this because this, this could be a whole, a whole other subject. All I'm telling you is we should be looking to care for people, to help people and to love people. That should be our priority. Just like in the story of the Good Samaritan, willing to get your hands dirty, not just to sit back, yell at everything and then go on with your life. And not realizing that there are real people who are in need. There are real people who can't make it on their own. There are real people who are looking for a hand to reach out to them. And to say there is someone. There is a man who laid down his life. Who took stripes on his back for you. Because he loves you. Because he wants to take away your sin. And take away your sickness. And set you free. And heal you. And set you free from the bondage that you're living in. Are you telling them that? And I'm going to explain to you the issue that I have with this, with this ad. And I'm going to start by talking to you about feet washing. Can we talk about feet washing? Turn to John chapter 13. I want, I want to, this, be, this has become like a thing. Um, I don't really know why people like it, which in all honesty, I don't, I don't, I don't have like a problem with feet, but I don't really want to like see people's feet. Um, so I don't know. I see like, um, oh man, I feel bad. If you, if you did this at your wedding, I apologize, but I have seen like at weddings, like, um, the bride and groom washing each other's feet, which I always thought was funny. But anyways, um, hopefully you took a shower before I did it once, you know, I did it once I was a youth pastor um, quite a, a, a number of years ago in Ontario. And I did that on a Friday night, myself and the other youth uh, leaders, we washed feet. I don't even remember why I did it, but let's, let's read about it from the scripture. John chapter 13, verse four, Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, uh, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, Jesus answered, you have no part with me. I want you to, hey, Jill, good to see you. I want you to take note of that verse eight, and we're going to get back to it. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a whole bath needs only to clean his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. And he was speaking about um, Jesus. Uh, sorry, my gosh, <laughs> speaking about Judas. They sound the same. Jesus was speaking about Judas. Um, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Pina, you're absolutely right. You're totally right. I'd rather, I think I'd rather wash feet than hands. How about that? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now, I'm going to tell you this, the, the, the idea of why it was necessary to wash feet in this culture came alive to me a few years ago when I went on a missions trip. Um, and I know Pastor Alessia is probably going to listen to this later, so... This one's, this is my favorite story about her. So we, about 10 years ago, actually this summer, it's going to be 10 years. Can't believe that much time has passed. Um, a bunch of, of ladies from the church, uh, we went on a mission trip to a country called Moldova and Moldova, it is, it's a very small country next to Romania. It's very impoverished. It's considered a third world country, which it certainly is, um, and so this one day we were going to visit this like small village to visit some people. And our, our, in, um, I don't even know the word, not tour guide. No, it wasn't a tour guide. Like our, our person, <laughs> our person that was leading us said, make sure that you guys wear closed shoes because the road is, is not paved and it gets very dirty. And especially, I think it had just rained, so there's a lot of mud, a lot of dirt. So, so she said, make sure you wear closed shoes. Now, most of us did. Pastor Alessia, for whatever reason, did not. She had flip-flops, because it was summer. So she had flip-flops on. And not surprisingly, because we had to walk quite a ways um, to get to this particular house, because the van wasn't able to drive on the road, because it, it was like undrivable. And not surprising, her feet got extremely dirty. <laughs> and so, um, <clears throat> and so there in this village, people would get their water from wells. There, there was no um, like pipes or anything like or, or sewers. I don't know much about water, but anyway, so so they would use wells. So what what she did was is she went over to one of the wells and she lift brought the bucket up. And then she, she, she washed her feet and like cleaned her flip-flops in, in the bucket of the well. But the thing is, this well was the, the people's drinking water. It was not for cleaning. And so this, this old woman in one of the houses saw her and she comes running out of the house and she starts chasing Alessia down the street, yelling at her in Romanian. <laughs> Oh my god! Because you you know you're not that but that water was was for drinking, not for cleaning. And so it's like in one in one day, um, she like contaminated the entire town's drinking water. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just it's so good. Next time you see her, please 
she it's just so good anyways and so this lady's like running down the street chasing her then we all start running because she's like go and she's and she's yelling in romanian we don't know what she's saying we're running <sighs> my goodness you know, I got chased by a cow on that trip. I had to like, I, I pretty much had to hop a fence to get away from the cow. So it was wild times over there. Anyways, um, so I learned a lesson about feet and how dirty they can get. Um, <laughs> that Shiva, that's exactly what it was. I wish we video, I, you know, we didn't have the, the same kind of phones 10 years ago. Um, well, Lauren, we probably should have, um, offered her the living water. There's still, there's like, her poster is up at like most wanted. <laughs> Anyways, um, and so I learned how dirty feet can get in the culture of this day. People did not have closed toed shoes. They had sandals and it was very dirty and dusty and people's feet would get very dirty and <clears throat> well the mere shock of a cow actually running after me i think kind of threw me off um because i was like oh a cow how nice she didn't appreciate me um and so and, and you also have to understand this so their feet were, were extremely dirty dusty and when you would go into a home um and eat the tables would very often you would very often like either sit on the floor or sit very low and so your feet were like there it's not like now like you know when you sit at a table you could you could sit at a table and no one even sees your feet that wasn't how it was it would be often reclined on the floor uh, the tables were low and so you, you, these dirty feet would just be like there at the table when you're trying to eat and so the custom typically was the servant of the house would wash everybody's feet so that when you came in they were clean now <clears throat> the disciples probably should have been the one they probably should have been washing jesus's feet but if you know anything about what was happening with the disciples at this time they were too busy arguing amongst one another who among them was the greatest and then Jesus, as he so well does, is puts them all in their place because he's talking about um, th this. Th there was a um, this was basically in the act of, of feet washing. It's an act of service, right? You know, because you're, you're essentially you're doing something that, you know, would be considered that only a servant would do. The, the master of the house would not stoop down and wash a person's feet. And so what Jesus was doing here is that he was foreshadowing. He was doing two things. I'm going to talk about the first thing. He was foreshadowing his ultimate act of humility on the cross. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' ultimate act of humility 
was laying down his life on the cross. Understand who Jesus is, the son of God, the right hand of the father, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He came down as a man, born as a baby in a manger. The, you know, he was not, uh, um, and that's why the Jews, for the most part, rejected him because they believed that their Messiah was going to be some kind of conquering hero. Well, I have news for them. Your Messiah is about to become a conquering hero when he comes back on a white horse and slays the devil one last time and takes his place of authority. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, that's, the, that's the, the Messiah that they were hoping for. But when he came to earth, that's not how it was. That's not how it was. He stooped down low and laid down his life, the form of a servant. What a lot of the disciples probably are thinking, wow, we're, we're, with, we're with Jesus. We're with the Messiah. We're awesome. And Jesus is like, actually, you need to be serving people as well. True greatness is found in serving others, in loving others, in building people up, not tearing them down. That's true, true service. That's what a minister is to do. You pour out yourself for people. It's displayed first and foremost by Jesus. And that's why he's saying, um, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So if Jesus is the person to pour himself out for people, then how much more so should we as his followers be doing the same thing in loving people? And that's why I talked about the whole like, you know, how we're really good at, at, at hating evil, but bad at loving people. People, people need help. People are broken. People are in trouble. Are we taking our place as a servant and saying, I am going to go out of my way to help someone who is in desperate need. People who are on the verge of collapse, on the verge of dying. Am I going to do that? Am I going to do everything that I possibly can to help? Or am I just holding up a sign, getting mad? And by the way, I just wanted to say this, talking about Jesus' followers, there is no instance in which Jesus washed the feet of sinners. He washed the feet of who? His followers, his disciples. So this whole feet washing thing has become a bit of like a, a, a I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure exactly um, how, how it kind of became this thing where we're supposed to be washing everybody's feet. Actually, no, not particularly. Um, this was for a, an instance and Jesus was making a point. And not only, not only was he making the point of humility, of serving. Because again, like I said, the disciples were all kind of high on themselves. Um, and that, you know, Jesus multiple times had to bring them down. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's not about that you're greater. Because again, true greatness is in the service of others. It's helping others. That's why I brought up that, that preacher who, who spends his life helping people. Uh, um, you know, helping the people in, out of foster care, helping people get jobs, helping people get back on their feet. 
A lot of Christians, they don't even think about that. Jesus, let me tell you something. Getting mad, getting righteously mad at wickedness. Absolutely. And don't let me tell you something. Um, I am someone who gets very, um, very indignant at wickedness. But Jesus didn't come to get mad at sinners. He came to set them free. To set them free from the bondage that is weighing down on them. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. That my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He didn't come to yell at everybody. And we're good at that but not so good at reaching down and pulling someone and saying, I have the answer for you. I can help you. In Luke 4, what did Jesus say? What, he said in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's come to set the captive free and he has given us his mission with the power of his spirit to do the same thing for the people who are around us. Are we doing that friends? Or are we just getting mad all the time? We have mastered the art of anger. And mastered the art of hating things. But we haven't mastered the art of loving people. But Jesus had a second point. And this is probably the most important one. And he brings it up. Specifically in verse 8 when he says, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. The, in the act of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, there was an important point to be drawn, and that is the need for spiritual cleansing, the need for repentance, the need for salvation, the need for sanctification and purification. Jesus came as a ransom for many to do what? To take away your sin. Not that you say, well, everyone's on their own journey and everyone's going to, you know, discover Jesus in their own way. No, he came to set you free from sin, to sanctify you, to purify you, to cleanse you from all sin. I didn't see that in the ad. I just saw a lot of feet washing and telling people, it's okay. You're fine how you are. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's the issue at the end of the day. This is the issue, the issue that I take with this kind of whatever. And it's always about... You, because again, remember what I said, because I'm targeting everybody tonight. Everybody, everybody's getting it tonight. That a lot of Christians are, are, are great at hating things and bad at loving. But then there's another group of Christians who are really good at loving, but actually they're not being loving at all because they're just uh, uh, um, agreeing with people in their sin and not letting them know that if you don't repent, you will perish. 
And that yes, Jesus loves you. And that yes, he came to save you. And yes, you come as you are. But you don't stay that way. That's the sanctification process. Being perfected. And rather than say that, they change the Bible. Oh, that's not actually sin. You know, we just, um, uh, we misinterpreted that, um, you know. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God has reconciling the word to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Is anybody actually giving people the message of reconciliation? Or are you just sitting there washing their feet like a dummy? People don't even know what that means. I hope that I explained it well enough. They got it completely wrong. Verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You come as you are, but you don't stay as you are because Jesus came to wash you clean of your sins. If you keep reading in, in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 6, verse 2, it says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. If you're watching me, in a few minutes from now, I am going to give you a chance to make today the day of your salvation. Because I'm here to tell you tonight, I love you with all of my heart, even if I have never met you. And you know what love means? Love means that I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want to see you dead in your sin. I'm letting you know there is someone that when you accept him, his spirit comes alive on the inside of you. And you no longer have to live as you live. You are now a new creature. And the, the old life is gone. Everything that you used to struggle with, you can be set free tonight. Because that's what Jesus did. Stop focusing on the wrong things. And that's what many Christians do on both sides. And we think that we've got it right. Turn with me to 1 John. I'm going to bring this home for you. 1 John chapter 5. Uh, sorry, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. This is a message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. If people are living in sin and living in darkness, you can't leave them that way. Because they're, they're, you're not helping them. You're not, if you're going to sit there and be like, well, you know, everyone has to discover, rediscover Jesus in their own way. No, there's only one way, the way, the truth, and the life. That's how you get to the father. You can't make up Jesus the way you want him to be. 
Like TV shows, just making up his personality that, that Matthew has autism and this person didn't get healed and all this garbage. Making stuff up as you go. A, a Christian just fall into it, hook, line, and sinker. No, in him there is no darkness. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Listen. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's what the blood of Jesus does. He cleans you. He purifies you. He washes you out and renews you like new. That's what the blood of Jesus has done. Don't render it to some kind of, um, uh, 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 you know, I don't even know. Rendering the blood of Jesus is powerless. That's what a lot of people do sitting there washing feet. Because it does nothing. It's like I said, I hope... Guys, I really pray that you understand my heart and understand what I'm saying. Because we need to help people practically. That's why I talked about off the top. We need to care about stuff like adoption. And care about stuff like foster care. And care about stuff like helping mothers and things like that. We need to care about that. You have to help people practically. But even more, you have to help them spiritually. Because Jesus was letting them know, unless I wash you clean, you have no part with me. Unless you are washed by the blood of Jesus and your sin is cleansed, you have no part with Jesus. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the good news. You don't have to feel condemned or feel shame or feel guilt. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because when we call on him, he forgives us. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive our sins. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to stay on that path that you're going. You can reroute on the path that I'm on and on the path that many of us watching are on. That you were going that way and now whoop, making a right, left, right turn. I'd rather go right. Making a right turn in finding your way to the Father. Let's keep reading. 1 John 2 verse 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's what Jesus did. Not that you stay in your sin. He wants to take it away. He wants to set you free. That you no longer have to do the things that you were bound and stuck in before. But this is where... My friends, we have to be steadfast, coming back from what I talked about off the top, in standing against evil. Turn to uh, the last scripture I'm going to read. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Actually, go up a little bit. Ephesians 4, 
um, verse 32, be kind and compassionate. I lo Okay, please, if you're taking notes, write this stuff down. Ephesians 4, verse 32, and we're going to go into chapter 5 because it's one dialogue. He didn't, unfortunately, the, the uh, sometimes the chapter breaks in our modern Bible make me so irritated because if you stop, you don't see the rest of it. And our, and our feet washing friends always stop there. So they just stop before getting to chapter 5. But it's, it's a continuous thought. Listen, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Keep going. Be imitators of God, therefore. Live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us. So here again, talking about what Christ did and gave himself up as a fragrant, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And we don't have to do that. He took our place. If you're watching me today and you're like, man, I'm, I'm not living right. God, Jesus took your place so that you wouldn't have to, so that you wouldn't have to bear the weight on your shoulders that Jesus took on his when he carried that cross and he was nailed there for you and for me. But keep reading. It doesn't stop there. Ephesians 5 verse 3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Boy, if there was no hint of sexual immorality, there wouldn't even be a need for an abortion clinic in the first place. Or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For or of this you can be sure. Hmm. Of this... You can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. For you were once darkness, but you are now light. Live as children of light. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. So do you see this here? It's all of it. Loving people, being compassionate, helping, standing up against evil, exposing evil. Guys, it's everything. It's not one or the other, but it's all of it. You can't pick and choose on either side. Verse 15, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, I feel like, literally has everything necessary for life. I'm telling you. Because then it goes on to talk about what we talked about last week, which is wives and husbands and everything, which is, it's amazing how it's all in there. Verse 21, it goes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what we're talking about here. 
If you're going to go up to a person and stoop down and wash their feet, how about instead you say, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He came to set you free that you don't have to live the way that you're living anymore. But there is a new and better way through the blood of Jesus that he made a way and he paved a way to get to the father. So let's be people who learn to serve others and love others as Christ did by not judging them in their sin, but saying you don't have to stay there anymore. A lot of people are great at not judging, but then they just leave it at that. True, true loving people is telling them what I'm about to tell you now. There is a heaven and there is a hell and you will spend your eternity in one of those two places. And if you do not make a decision to purify yourself from sin, to confess and to put your faith in the name of Jesus Christ, then you will go to hell. But I have good news for you. You don't have to. God didn't create hell for people. It's for the devil and his demons. It's not for you. So you don't have to go there. If you repent of your sin and you say, I'm ready to be a new creation, then God welcomes you into his family and you become a child of God. The old is gone. The new has come. So let's be people who get it right. Love, serve, stand against evil, but get involved in making things better. We're talking off the top that, you know, adoption is unaffordable and all that. What are we doing about it? Are we trying? Are we looking into ways to help? It's everything, guys. It's everything. So if you're watching me tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say a prayer. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. The Holy Spirit gives us power. That's what grace is. Gives us power to stop sinning. That we're no longer a slave to sin. You don't do it in your own flesh. You can't do it on your own. That's why Jesus said, I'm leaving you, but I'm sending another, my Holy Spirit, that will soon be in you. And the power of the Spirit, you don't even have to try. You have a distaste for sin. You hate the things that God hates. You're like, I don't want, I can't even go there anymore. I can't even do that anymore. I'm so in love with Jesus. Then I don't even have the desire for sin anymore. That's what the spirit does. And the grace of God empowers you to no longer sin. And that's a great promise. And if you want in on that, I'm going to pray with you. And I encourage you to pray this. If you did, if you do pray this, please. I, we want to know. We want to get to know you. Why? Because this is not about just ticking off a number. Oop, another person got saved. Let's good for me. No, we want to help you. You're part of the family now. There are people that are going through difficult things. Really difficult things. They need help. 
talk isn't going to help them. They need help, practical help. But first things first, you need to get saved. So pray this prayer with me out loud, out of your mouth. Say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my Savior. I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please message this account. We're going to get a Bible to you and we're going to help you because that's what we're here for. The church is here to serve, here to love, here to help, and most importantly, here to demonstrate what Jesus did on this earth, and that is setting people free, that you're no longer bound, that you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're walking in the freedom of the blood of Jesus. And that's a powerful thing. Amen.